You're listening to DraftKings Network. Coming up on today's show. Frank Wright gets fired and we discuss what it means for the Carolina Panthers. Brady thinks that the NFL product is mediocre and Alex Smith argues Brady isn't qualified to make that take. Lastly, we talk college football and a ton of NFL news and the state of the Cleveland Browns. All of this and much, much more on the Narcos Season 4 worthy return of the Tomahawk Show. I would be honored if you played football for this team. Me play football? Now, most of you have been playing this game for 10 years. You got two more quarters, and after that, most of you will never play this game again. Why are you smiling? Because I love football. Football's fun. Fun, sir. Fun, sir. It's fun. You sure? What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the world-famous Tomahawk Show. I am Andrew Hawkins, your humblest of all co-hosts, uh, seven-year NFL media vet, as well as current ESPN analyst, joined, as always, by my partner in crime, Joseph Thomas, 10-time Pro Bowler, eight-time All-Pro, college football Hall of Famer, pro football Hall of Famer, NFL All-Decade Team, 10,363 career. Is there anything else that I missed, Joe? I think I'm going to stop it there. Yeah, there's a lot of other Hall of Fames that uh, you wouldn't okay. have ever heard of. But yep. most importantly, I think I need you to send me some pesos because as you can see, this is week <laughs> two. I'm still in Mexico and I can't escape from this kitchen where I'm being held until uh. the tomahawk and the tomahawk chipping enough pesos <laughs> to get me released. Well, I'm going to talk to the powers that be here at Metal Arc Media and the DraftKings Network, who are the generous people who bring this show to you. Uh, you're right, Joe. This is a complete contrast of what we saw last week. Last week, you were in the plush. You had beach behind you. <laughs> you looked like you were running a cartel in Mexico. And now it looks like you're in a trap house. Um, right. Why is everything so yellow is my question, Joe. Uh, light is very low in this room. And okay. besides that, everything is actually painted yellow. So uh, it makes perfect <laughs> sense being that this is some flea bag motel. We found five minutes after learning that our flight got canceled and yes. just looked for what is the cheapest place that's close by Man. that we can crash until Tuesday, which right now it's Monday and we were supposed to leave on Sunday. Uh, so we just needed a couple of days until we could finally find a flight out of town. And okay. as you know, Thanksgiving, not exactly the best time to travel always no. because it's great seeing family and friends, but flights always seem to get screwed up. It does not look safe where you're at, Joe. We are also joined by Juju <laughs> Gotti and, of course, the world-famous Fat Nat, three T's and a PH. What's up, guys? How was your Thanksgiving? Nat, we'll start with you. My Thanksgiving was good. I just went home, uh, hung out with family, yeah. stayed at my sister's house. Um, I did have to drive back from the Bay, though, um, yesterday, and it did take like eight hours when it typically Ooh. takes like five and a half. So that was a little annoying. So, yeah, don't travel in general during Thanksgiving. Yeah, that sucks. <laughs> Juju, where did you go for Thanksgiving? I ain't do nothing for Thanksgiving. Nothing. I took a break. I took it easy. Good for you. It was me, uh, uh, Join Love. And Jared Goff and them boys in the living room. Chilling. Hanging out. I ain't had nothing going on. And also, Joe blinked three times at any time if you ever in distress over there. Uh, oh, my God. Uh, how many times do I need to blink if I need immediate help from the U.S. military? I need an extraction. Man, I love consecutive blinks. This is, this is literally the exact opposite version of the Mexican, the Mexican vacation you showed us last week. That's wild yeah. to me. It's the literal exact opposite. All right, so speaking of Thanksgiving, <laughs> we finally put our results on Twitter. 
to see who won the Thanksgiving food draft. And I have to announce that, and a bit of a shocker from 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 my opinion, Fat Nat was the winner of the draft. Oh, she what? she won. Say by how much? She won by quite a quite a bit. She 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 got sixty five percent of the vote. Um, exactly. I knew it. I knew that was going to happen. As yeah. soon as I drafted mac and cheese in the third round, you guys let that slip <laughs> so far. I knew I was winning. I I still call bullshit. Well, I I'm second place with nineteen point one. Juju is third with 11.4% of the vote. And Joe <laughs> is the house that nobody wants to visit on Thanksgiving with a, with a, 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 a disrespectful 4.5% of the vote. You only won 4% <laughs> of the vote, Joe. Your, your reaction. My reaction is this is clearly a rigged sham election here because I don't know. I think that mine would have won clearly had it not I, it, just but been it didn't. all family members of Nat <laughs> voting and then giving some pity votes to the other guys that had a uh, pitiful entrees and side uh, appetizers for their Thanksgiving meal. So, I mean, I don't know. I, I think that uh, it, this is clearly just rigged against me I don't know. Uh, because of my wonderful vacation and uh, Thanksgiving uh, in Mexico. It seems it seems bad. Juju picked all meats and he still beat you by double the percentage. So <laughs> hey, a lot of people that are on the keto diet these days. <laughs> Just you literally. call them politics, I call them politics. So that's <laughs> congratulations, Natalie. Well, great win. All right, who's still eating leftovers? Raise your hand if you're still eating leftovers. <laughs> Nobody. Just me. That's crazy. <laughs> I am still. Damn, that bit went to cook over here. It was, you... I got some. Uh, some rotisserie that was from the Publix, the ones that they already cooked for you. <laughs> Damn, I got two of them, but them bad boys still there. It was hey. life. So how 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 long are you allowed to continue to eat leftovers from Thanksgiving? One week. One week. So I'm good then. Yeah, you're yeah, fine. Sure. But you guys aren't eating Thanksgiving leftovers anymore. Well, I didn't bring my leftovers back with me, so rookie move. No. And Joe, <laughs> I don't know what's gonna be in that fridge that Joe's opening up right now. Uh, hey. This is why we're not eating leftovers. A, All have is water. Chopped head <laughs> and and thirty Stop kilos it. of smack. Joe, close the fridge. <laughs> don't pan, please. We don't we don't want to be implicated in whatever you got going on. <laughs> South of the border. Um, all right, let's get into some time of headlines. Let's talk a little football. This is going to be a little bit of a curveball because it's not on the rundown, but it did recently happen, and I do want to speak about it because I think there's some connections here. Frank Reich was fired as the Carolina Panthers head coach. Joe, am I breaking this news to you? You are. Yes, okay. I'm actually shocked. <laughs> I thought you were going to tell me that he was the head coach, then he fired himself as the offensive coordinator, then he reinstated himself as the offensive coordinator, and I was ready to talk about that topic. However, <laughs> the fact that he got fired, like, was this, eight games, nine games into his tenure is unbelievable. Is yeah. that the earliest firing of all time? It makes no sense. I mean, Joe has been in Mexico, so he's been out of the news a little bit. He has no idea what's going on. But Frank Reich, I believe his record was maybe – what is week 12? So probably one in 10, one in 11, something to one that in one in 10. So he's one in 10. And here's, here's the, here's the shocker. This is the third year in a row. Uh, a first year coach to a team was fired before the season was out. So it's not even one and done. So last year was Nathaniel Hackett got canned by the Denver Broncos. The year before that, we remember urban Meyer was kicking kickers and he got fired before that. It was 43 years since a NFL head coach was fired before the conclusion of their first season. Any reaction there? Do, does, do you feel like this is like just happenstance or do you think this is kind of probably going to be the new 
way things are going to work in the NFL. Don't all jump at once. Joe, okay. Then. <laughs> well, well you know, you're, you're still shocked, guard, clearly. Usually the point guard right. you know, gives a little head nod to who they want to talk to. <laughs> right, a little alley-oop <laughs> of the glass yeah, or something. You know, I'm in Mexico. Everything is happening a little like two seconds slower down here because <laughs> the Dos Equis ultras have been going down very smooth all week. So I'll let Juju fire in first. Look, I think this is – this is more revealing on David Tepper, uh, Joe Jake Tepper, whatever his first name is, Tepper, ahead of the uh, Carolina Panthers organization. You paid Matt Rule all that money. That was a bad idea. You chose C.J. Stroud to – you chose to pass on C.J. Stroud and go with Bryce Young. That was your idea, brother. Come on now. It's, it's quarterback – it's coaches in the league, I feel like, deserve to be fired. <clears throat> uh, not saying anything about the Chargers, but mm. I don't think Frank Wright got a fair <laughs> – Shake at this point. Like, come on, what you want him to do, man? I, he's a scapegoat in my opinion. Yeah, I, I kind of feel that way too. I don't feel like there's enough, like, it, it has to be something egregious for you to get rid of a coach that quick. And I, I, I think it really is C.J. Stroud doing so well is probably reflecting bad on the coaching staff to the new ownership in Carolina and Dave Tepper because I, I can't think of a logical reason where this makes sense. Frank Reich is actually – He's been successful in this league. And that doesn't always point to you having success in another place. And obviously, we're not there on a day-to-day basis. But because you drafted a rookie um, first overall and your team still sucks, like, that is normal. Like, I, I know we get tricked into believing right. that quarterbacks come in and they look like Patrick Mahomes or there is no maturation or, you know, evolution process for these guys or that, you know, shocker, the rest of the team is still the same team that you had outside of the quarterback. And it takes time. This just feels like the growing pains of a new owner who does no has no clue what what he bought with his fantasy football team. That yes, I know, I agree. I think it definitely reflects more on the ownership than it does on him. This is too fast. I feel like he didn't have enough of a chance. I mean, eleven games into the season is, I mean, yeah, like Juju said, there's other coaches that uh, should have been fired way before this. So I feel like it's just too quick. So the new interim head coach, I believe, is Chris Tabor. Um. <laughs> Joe, you and I know Chris Tabor because he was our special teams coordinator for a very long time with the Browns. And I, I mean, there's, I don't want to say there's few coaches that I'm a, a fan of because I'm, I'm a fan of a lot of a lot of coaches, but there are a few coaches that I'm a bigger fan of than Chris Tabor because I just think he has a really good uh, way of commanding a room. When you're a special teams coordinator, and I've said this on this show previously. I know it's like, oh, you go get a defensive coordinator as a head coach or go get an offensive coordinator because they're offensive gurus. I have a theory that special teams coordinators are actually best positioned to be head coaches, but they never get those opportunities. And the reason being is they have to motivate the guys, the bottom 20 guys on the roster, not the ones that are paid, paid the most money. And they have to get them to go out and do give everything they have for the thankless work that nobody gives a shit about. And then on top of that, they have to deal with offensive players, defensive players. They have to deal with practice squad players. They have to deal with stars in a lot of respects. So they are the best positioned to be able to command a room of players because they know the personalities and how they are different. I'm telling you right now, a defensive lineman is different than an offensive lineman, which is different than a wide receiver, which have different personalities than cornerbacks and what have you. So, again, I don't know if this will be a real audition for Chris Tabor but he has always been one of those coaches that I've been around that I've felt like has deserved the opportunity to be a head coach because he's had so much success as a special teams coordinator. But then also 
because he can command a room the way that is the most important for a head coach, Joe? Yeah, I'm still working on translating ESPN Mexico right now. Panthers, anuncian el despido del entrenador, el jefe, Frank Reich. Uh, so other than that, uh, it sounds like things work badly for Frank Reich, but it seems like he's becoming the scapegoat by all reports were that he wanted CJ Stroud. He wanted the big, tall, pocket-passing quarterback. He didn't want the small quarterback, Bryce Young, who uh, potentially is going to have a hard time seeing over his line. Maybe he would be a little injury-prone because he's a little bit smaller, a little bit uh, less stocky than CJ Stroud. So it really doesn't make sense that he was getting fired. But to your point about Chris Tabor being a great coach, I think he is a great coach. He was our special teams coach for a while, and he is really good at motivating players, offense, defense, everything that you just said. However, I think your mistake is that mm. in today's NFL, the biggest indicator of success is when you have a head coach that's your offensive coordinator that's also coaching your quarterback, and those two are working hand in hand which is what you need to have success in the NFL long-term. You need to have great quarterback play week in and week out. And I think 20 years ago when it was a much more balanced NFL where you could win with defense, with run game, you could win with special teams, like, like having a guy like Chris Tabor could be huge, right? Because then it's about motivating everybody, making sure they're on the same page. But now it's so much more of a quarterback-driven league that I want a CEO head coach like a Kyle Shanahan, like an Andy Reid, who's going to coach my quarterback, who's going to come up with a game plan, but then also be good at delegating and making sure that the defense and the offensive and the special teams game plans all mesh together and making sure that you're coaching those coaches from the top down. And motivation really doesn't, to me, come from like the rah-rah speech, like the kick guys in the butt anymore. It's more about, hey, this is the game plan. I'm going to show you how this game plan puts you in the best position to succeed. And you're going to go into the game more well-prepared and in a better position to have success than the guy you're going against. And that's how I got motivated. That's how I see most guys in the NFL being motivated. So I like your point, but you're wrong. No, I think that's bullshit. <laughs> I'm going to call bullshit on that, Joe, because number one, you had 10 different head coaches and 10 different offensive coordinators. So you wouldn't know a successful coach if it came and kicked you in the nuts. Okay, number one. Number two, here's why you're wrong. Because, yes, a sexy offensive guru sells the tickets. Out, oh, you got the right head coach. He can be great for your quarterback. But if you look at all the best teams in the NFL now, they're defensive teams. Simple as that. Yes, Patrick Mahomes is if – you, if you luck up and get a Patrick Mahomes, great. But even in that scenario this year, the reason why the Chiefs are contenders is because of their defense. Philadelphia is in the trenches. It's their defense. Jalen Hurts is great, but their defense is great. Um, the 49ers – Nobody's signing up for Brock Purdy. Yes, the fact that Kyle Shanahan can run that offense, great, but it's because of what they have on the defensive side of the ball. And even the Cowboys, you name it, the, the good teams have great defenders. The reason why it makes sense for your head coach to be an offensive coordinator is because people think like Joe, and they're all trying to tab offensive people for head coaches, and so nobody sticks around. So even if Chris Tabor was to get the head coaching job and he had the right offensive coordinator – and the right defensive coordinator, his offensive coordinator, once he had success, he'd be gone the year later because Joe would hire him to come coach for his team <laughs> in Germany. And now Chris Tabor is left with his palms up again because Joe is out here poaching everybody uh, that can show any kind of uh, prowess in the passing game in American football. But that's why you got to hire those guys to be your head coach. Then they can't be stolen away. That's the whole point. 
If you hire a special teams coach or a defensive coordinator and they hire a great offensive mind on the offensive side of the football to coach offense and to coach the quarterback, like as soon as they have success, they're going to leave. That's why you don't do it. And I love how the fact that you try to just pretend like, oh yeah, all the best teams in the NFL right now are all driven by defense. They are. And then you named everybody that was driven by their offensive coordinator <laughs> who's their head coach no. with a great quarterback, Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid, Jalen Hurts. Like all you've been doing, and I wish I could pull up the stats right now, but it's all in Spanish, so I can't really read it. But basically all <laughs> the best it teams it was in, in the NFL right now have great quarterbacks and a head coach who's an offensive-minded head coach. But their defenses are better than their quarterbacks. We just we just talk about their quarterbacks no, the you most. you said that they have great defenses. You didn't prove it with anything other than saying, yeah, the Chiefs defense is keeping them in there this year. What? That is no, ass. they're not. They're the top five <laughs> defense. Yes, they are. That's why their offense has been terrible this season. The receivers drop passes. Travis Kelsey is at Taylor Swift concerts all goddamn day, and he can't beat <laughs> double coverage anymore because he's a uh -huh. Swifty. So the defense is what's keeping him in it. I'm telling you. And you can't check that because you can't read uh, Spanish. I can't. So I, I can't. Can I'm, looking, I'm trying right to now. find the stats. The top defense in the NFL. Don't have you them. You need to check that window behind you because look like the Jimenez cartel is, is closing in on you. <laughs> <laughs> hey, come make my ass. <laughs> so, okay. They're actually that's big the case. fans of special teams coordinators. I'm in deep trouble right now. <laughs> All I right, want so, Tabor to be the head coach. So, if, if <laughs> offensive football is driving everything, then tell me this, Joe, since you know so goddamn much. Why did Tom Brady come out <laughs> and talk about how offensive football is mediocre now? And I'll give you some direct quotes here. Um, he, in an interview with Stephen A. Smith, he said there's a lot of mediocrity in today's game. He said coaching isn't as good as it was. The development of young players isn't what it used to be, and the rules have allowed a lot of bad habits that impact performance of the game. Okay, that is from Tom Brady. Alex Smith, another quarterback who played 18 years in the league, former first overall pick, uh, he pushed back and said that Brady played in the most medi uh, mediocre division in football. And right. he can't talk about today's game because he just retired last year, which is a very good point. I, when I heard Tom Brady's <laughs> rant, I was like, you're right. But then I heard Alex Smith and I'm like, damn, he's right too. Cause it reminds me of like when old players um, talk about how LeBron wouldn't have been able to perform in their day, but they played 10 years against LeBron. <laughs> I'm like, Wait, what, the, what are you talking about? And he averaged 30 and 30 on him. <laughs> exactly. So, I, I guess my question to you, Joe, which is kind of connected yes. but a little disconnected, do yeah. you agree with Tom Brady that offensive football in the game today is has become mediocre because of the development and the way that the rules have been changed to favor the offense? So I think what happened here is Tom Brady listened to his own podcast and realized how boring it was. And so he tried to finally say something <laughs> that was controversial. Any chance I get to go throw a few barbs at Tom Brady's podcast. I'm going to do it right now. Right. You do take this that. is the ultimate, like the little guy trying to pick on the big guy to get interest in their own podcast. But anyways, what I think Tom Brady meant was in the last six weeks in the NFL, the offensive play has been poor because if you look back like two and three years, the NFL offenses were scoring more points than ever. And it's only this season specifically that defenses have kind of taken over. And really that's only because of the number of injuries that we've seen at the quarterback position. The thing that I can do, even in Spanish, is look at the logos of the NFL teams and remember <laughs> all the, the quarterbacks that were injured. So just looking down the list, okay, the Bears and the Vikings, who are playing tonight, I believe, since it's Monday right now in Mexico, uh, both quarterbacks that were starters injured. Packers, Lions, uh, one sucks, 
Uh, well, okay, Juju just left. He doesn't even really care about this conversation anymore. <laughs> but bottom line is there's been all sorts of injuries. Uh, the Jets lost Aaron Rodgers, obviously. The Browns lost Deshaun Watson. The Bengals lost Joe Burrow. Uh, Panthers, uh, as we talked about, have a rookie quarterback. And mm -hmm. let's see here. Um, Daniel Jones is gone. Daniel Jones is gone, but he was, eh, he was all right. Um, really, other than those guys, those are kind of your best quarterbacks in the NFL. And I think really it's more of the NFL moving towards quarterbacks that are mobile rather than pocket passers. Like when Brady was in his heyday, right? And mm -hmm. the NFL was much more of just a pure pocket passing league. Yeah. You had Drew Brees, you had Phillip Rivers, you had Aaron Rodgers, you had Tom Brady. You had a bunch of guys that stood in the pocket, and so they didn't get injured, right? Because the ball was coming out in two seconds, and they were really good at efficiently moving the ball down the field. I think today's offenses are more dynamic. They're more difficult to stop, but they do mm -hmm. expose your quarterback to a lot more hits. And when your quarterback gets injured, it kind of sinks your season. Yeah, that's a good point. I was looking. I, that's the point that I was digging for right there. I know you had something in you, man. And I know you can't <laughs> read Spanish. It, and I know you didn't graduate from it Wisconsin, so you have trouble to get you, to it. You have trouble reading English as well, but you did get to a good point there. <laughs> Because Thank you. you're right, Tom Brady, from your perspective, it would less, look less detailed because every element had to be a certain way for you to get the ball out on time and to basically, you know, put you in position the way that you did because he was so great at being from the pocket because what's he going to do, scramble around, run around and improvise? That's yeah. not what he did. So it was very much detailed and precise. Same with Peyton Manning, same with Drew Brees, to your point. Alex Smith, he probably took offense to the mediocre – quarterback thing because he's probably categorized as mediocre compared to Tom Brady so it's if you listen to everybody's take you can always find the bias in it yeah, uh, which is usually Alex Smith, bias Alex Smith. Itself. <laughs> Alex Smith like no, um, my replacement came in was Patrick Madame Holmes how that ain't mediocre <laughs> right. this is Superman to replace me uh-uh Tom <laughs> right exactly another damn good point alright we, we got to it you get smarter on this show so Tom Brady uh, Joe wants to debate you and show you why he is a expert at offensive football and you're not. Yeah, I think it's important to throw in there too. Alex Smith came from the RPO zone read type scheme, and mm -hmm. that's what most of the offenses are kind of featuring right now. So it's easy for him to be offended, be like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Yes, it <laughs> is simpler, but it doesn't mean it's less effective. Right. Because it doesn't take as many details because it's reading one or two guys, maybe reading half the field. Um, but it's just as effective, if not more effective, when your quarterback can move and run. Yeah. Whereas when you're in the pocket, like you have Damn. to be so good at everything to be able to just get the ball. And if you don't, you're going to get killed. And those guys couldn't stand it because they were little. They weren't big, strong, fast, physical guys like we see today. I cannot wait to get on ESPN and spit this take as my own. I'm not kidding. <laughs> yes, there you go. You're welcome. This is what this show is actually really, really useful for. All right, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to get into some more NFL news from this week. Drop the bass. Welcome back to the Tomahawk Show. Before we get into some NFL news, I do want to talk some college football um, for a couple of reasons. Number one. My alma mater, the University of Toledo, is top 25. We're 11 and 1. We're rolling. Um, Joe has no idea what 11 and 1 looks and feels like this year. Although he's wearing his Wisconsin hoodie, he should understand that my team is ranked above his. I don't think in our history of knowing each other this has ever happened. So let's all just take a moment to soak that in real quick that the, the Toledo Rockets 
Oh, yeah. Nice. Feel it. Mm, Feel it. Stings the nostrils. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> uh, all right. So as we get into some NFL news, we won't talk about the top 25 Toledo Rockets anymore for this show. Um, but we will stay within that state at Ohio State where wide receiver Marvin Harrison Jr., son of Marvin Harrison Sr., for those who are slow, uh, is reportedly still undecided on whether or not he'll enter the NFL draft. There is reportedly a chance that he returns due to not accomplishing two of his main goals. Number one, beating Michigan, and two, playing in a Big Ten championship uh, in Indianapolis, where his, his, his father played for the, the majority of his career. So my question, Joe, would this make Marvin Harrison Jr. stupid for coming back when he is clearly the best football player in college football of any position – Sure fire the first receiver off the board, if not a top three pick, and also not realizing that none of those accomplishments gen- truly matter in the grand scheme of football. Joe, your thoughts. It doesn't make him stupid. However, if I was his advisor, He's I would certainly stupid. tell him. Yeah. Let me hold on. Let me you let me, need to go to the NFL draft for two reasons. One, like you mentioned, like your window to play football in your lifetime is short. Mm-hmm. And so going to the NFL and realizing that dream while you're healthy, while you're young, while you have a top five potential ranking, it makes sense, not only financially, but as far as like the goals that you want to accomplish in your life. And it's easy to say, hey, I want to play in a Big Ten championship game. I want to beat Michigan. Yeah, that's great and everything. But uh, if something does happen during your senior year and you come out and maybe you're not drafted as highly as you would have been, or you're not able to realize that NFL dream, do you think it would have been a sacrifice that was worthwhile to mm-hmm. stay and try to accomplish some of these goals that you wanted to in college versus going and living your NFL dream, which is going to set you up for the next part of your life where certainly you're going to have lots of goals and dreams. Like uh, for me, I love playing in the NFL, but it gave me the opportunity now to come down to Mexico with my family during Thanksgiving, mm-hmm. get kidnapped by the cartels yep. and to be stuck doing a <laughs> low level podcast in the kitchen of one of the cartels basement uh, <laughs> drug labs. So, Wait a minute. This is the it's, highest it's, level podcast in the world. Thank you. Low level oh, podcast. sorry. That was the only thing that uh, Juju was offended about. In that entire <laughs> conversation. That's right. All right. The, we're going to do the highest level podcast that smashes the tom brady podcast yes from the basement yeah. of a drug lab somewhere in cartel land uh however most importantly i always would question players who say like i want to go play for this team to win a super bowl and that's the only reason i want to come back and play one more nfl season you see guys doing it all the time in the nba in the nfl like hey i've only got one more year left in me i want to chase a ring i'm going to go try to play for this team or in college Hey, I want to beat Michigan. I want to play in the Big Ten championship game. Like, that's a great goal. It's a great team goal to have. However, you have such a small impact on reaching that goal that I always wonder myself, if you came back just for that one thing and you're not able to accomplish it, which in a lot of respects, especially if you're trying to win a Super Bowl or a national championship, like you could have the greatest season of all time for your position, surpass all your own personal goals and still have abject failure accomplishing your team goal. Mm -hmm. And then where does that leave you as far as like the decision to come or to leave? Because you're going to feel like you were a failure. If your reason to come back was to win against Michigan, make a Big Ten championship, and you don't achieve that, are you going to feel like it was a wasted season? And so I think it's really difficult when you 
do things. You're motivated by a certain goal that make your decision on whether to come back or to go to the NFL based on a team goal that you really don't have a whole lot of impact directly, personally, that could potentially leave you feeling like it was a wasted season and it was a bad decision long term. Yeah, no, I I, I agree, and I, I'm gonna I'm gonna fix the the way that I worded that question because um, I heard Marvin Harrison is 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 about that action. That is so um, allegedly. I'm just saying allegedly. <laughs> it was a question. It was I just read what's in the rundowns. Um, but look, before you before you switch it up under the bus, <laughs> before you switch it up, look, I've been there before where. I feel like I had a, a certain goal in my life. And no matter what folks can tell me, hey, you making money doing this, you doing this, bro, you can't tell me that my dream of wanting to be a musician has to just go aside because I, I can have success in the sports world or I can have success in whatever world. And we forgetting. Marvin Harrison comes from money, man. He yeah, he, he can enough. he can never play another down and be set for his life. Mm -hmm. If he know for a fact that in his heart, he ain't going to be able to sleep without knowing he beat Michigan and played in that Big Ten championship. And it's his body. It's his Maserati. Hey, brother, come back. Because you got to be able to look at yourself in the mirror for the rest of your life. And yeah. I, I have a hard time looking myself in the mirror for some of the decisions I made. So I'm like, shit, bro. If, if he feel it, it might not make sense to us. But I have more power to you, Marvin. My, did. my opinion, and I love that, Juju. I think that Marvin Harrison is Marvin Harrison Jr. is the perfect prospect. When I and we can get into this too, because Michigan beat Ohio State, and I know we got a lot of Ohio State fans that are listening, and they're calling for the head of Ryan Day. And I put a tweet out there that they should probably look to Brian Hartline to take over. It got a lot of mixed reviews, but I'm a, I think Brian Hartline is literally the perfect college football coach uh, for a lot of reasons. But when I talked to Brian Hartline two years ago, I went to maybe a, a practice or something. And this is before Marvin Harrison. Like, he was, like, bubbling and people talked about him, but it wasn't, like, to that level yet. I think Garrett Wilson and Lave were still there. And I was like, well, what do you think about, you know, Harrison Jr.? He was like, he's the best receiver I've ever seen in my life. I'm like, really? He's like, no, no, no. Like, literally, NFL, college, you name it, already he's the best receiver I've ever seen in my life. And so what I think is – he just understands this so much, the way he approaches the game, his work ethic, his obvious skill level. I think this is what he's supposed to say right now because all this is going to do is solidify his draft status, if not make him take him even higher than what it is. Like someone's going to be like, I'd rather have him over this quarterback that I'm not sure about because he has that kind of mentality. And that, my friend, is graduate level thinking, Joe. You're exactly right. He's saying all the right things. He's probably going to come out anyway. Right. You're exactly right. I mean, let's be honest. There's no way he's coming back. Um, I, and maybe I didn't really articulate exactly my thoughts. I think having goals and dictating the decisions that you make based on those goals for personal goals that you have full control over is a great thing. And if you want to be the award winner at your position, in college football as a receiver, the Blitnikoff, and that's why you come back great. And you hope to help your team win a championship. That's awesome. But like he could be the greatest receiver of all time, have the greatest season of all time in the NFL or in college football. But if his coach gets fired and they bring in some bozo, who's just running the football, you're going to feel like, you know what? I did everything I possibly could. And I fell short of my goal. And I just wonder what that's going to do to him, like mentally, physically, personally, if that happens, like for right. you, Juju, if you're like, yeah, 
I am really successful in media, but I don't want to give up my goal to be a musician. But your ability to become a musician is way more dictated by the other 10 guys in your band and they all stink. And you're like, well, I'm focusing all this effort on this musician thing. And I'm doing a great job, but we're never going to reach the goal that I'm sacrificing all these other things for because everyone else around me stinks or isn't good enough. Like I, I do just get nervous about guys trying to attach goals and decisions together that they don't have a ton of control over. Yeah. Well, sticking with the nepotism theme, um, Arch Manning hasn't had a lot of tick at Texas after being the number one recruit going there. Obviously, he's a part of the Manning lineage so he's probably really good at quarterback. I'm just going to make a guess there. Do you think it's time for him to hit the transfer portal? Mm. Juju, jump in. I mean, you got a reaction. What you got? <laughs> nah, brother. Like you said, brother, welcome back to the days of, hey, sometimes you draft a quarterback and he's not Michael Vick the first year. He's not going to change the team the first year. Hey, brother, you got you go to Texas. Sit, sit down. I don't understand who your daddy and your uncle is, but we got somebody right now that we feel is, can, can get us a little bit better results than you. Then wait your turn. Next year is his turn. Hey, that's a big school. That's a big responsibility. Make sure you got to know what it takes to to be a man in this in this position at this at this prestigious school, so I don't have no problem with him sitting his ass on that pine for one year at least. Those are transfer portal. Don't don't just hop right into it. Mm. So okay, so you say stick with it. You say don't don't jump out of that just because you ain't getting the tick. Is hey, there a quarterback coming back next year? He's a sophomore this year. He's a sophomore, so okay, he might have two years on the pine. All right, well, hey, I'm all for a competition. All right, last topic we got here for college football. I need grades. I need grades on Dion. The Dion experience has come. It has gone the first year. I think he he finished four and eight, I believe, was it? It was a lot of hype coming in. We was all riding the the, the Dion Sanders wave. I'm gonna start with Fat Nat here. Fat, what is uh what grade do you give Dion and what is what is your final uh perspective on his first year as the head coach of Colorado? I mean, my grade, I would say mm, I'm gonna give him an A minus just because of, you know, what he created there and how, you know, like he kind of turned it, turned it around in Colorado when no one was, you know, I mean, not that we weren't expecting it. It was kind of expected that he was going to do something big there, Uh although it didn't turn out the way he wanted in the end. I feel like he, like he changed the trajectory of that program. So I'm giving him an A minus and I loved all the hype I saw and I loved everything that he was able to do there. Um, so yeah, A minus. All right, Juju, what's your what's your grade? We got an A minus on the board so far. I give him a B. It's the same thing with Nat said, just mm-hmm. because look, you you leading men onto that football field, and those men is, seem to enjoy playing for that brother. He getting the most out of them. NIL deals through the roof. Mm-hmm. Colorado is, is the Boulder. I ain't never even seen that many people post about Boulder in my entire life. So he breathed life into the city. So I give him a B for this season. I know the season could have been way better. A couple of missed field goals here, a couple of Colorado states there. But as a whole, I give my boy a B. All right, got a B, got an A minus. That's the Kumbaya version. Joe, they lost eight of their last nine games, bro. Let's see, let's see. Are you gonna, are you gonna keep it real like you always do, Joe? Or are you gonna, are you gonna, you know, fall in line with with Fat Nat and Juju? I'm giving them the same grade that I got my second semester of senior year when I was entering the NFL draft and doing my draft <laughs> oh, visits. Shit. He's getting an incomplete because he didn't go to school at all. <laughs> he started out strong, and I liked the message he was sending. He put Colorado on the map. He made it interesting and cool to be a CU buff. I'm sure the admissions went through the roof. They probably got a lot of uh, young players that were recruits that were considering going to the school that probably ended up 
signing and are going to potentially be part of the turnaround, but it's just way too early. I think he did better than most people expected. The challenge now for him though, is that you came on the scene, you told everybody about how great you were going to be. And then you were great at the beginning. And then you sucked it ass (laughs) for the second half, second, two thirds of the season. And so how much trust did you lose with those players? And then the potential recruits and the boosters who were buying in and believing everything you said, right? If I'm a dad and I always tell my kids like, hey, breakfast is going to be ready at eight o'clock. If it's ready at eight o'clock, the first three days, they're getting all excited and it's amazing, right? If all of a sudden the next eight days, like <laughs> breakfast is not ready till 10, pretty soon my word is going to be lost on them and they're not going to believe it anymore. And they're going to stop showing up at eight for breakfast. Uh, even if it's delicious pancakes and waffles with some uh, <laughs> banana syrup on top mm. and some whipped cream. So I think the question is going to be, how do they start next year? How many recruits are they able to get in there? Because it's a little bit like at Wisconsin, right? Luke Fickle comes in, everybody really is excited about him, but it does take some time to build a program, even in today's era of NIL and transfer portal. Like it's going to take some time to put your system into place, to get the right players in there, to get them to believe in what you're selling them consistently and to build a consistent winner. So incomplete for me. All right. Incomplete. Um, I'm going to give him a B minus. Because he didn't have everybody talking. He has the recruits. He, he can bring the amplification. He just has no linemen. And uh, you're going to need linemen in, in big-time college football prime. I also think you should jump to the next school. Just keep 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 doing what works, man. Come in, make a hay, get out of there all the way until you get back to Florida State, which is I, I know where you ultimately want to go. I also like how Joe tried to throw in his breakfast menu in there because his Thanksgiving menu was so shit. In case you guys didn't pick up on that, (laughs) we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to get into one of our favorite segments, Run Pass Option. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Tomahawk Show. Now we're going to get into one of our favorite segments, Run Pass Option. In this segment, Joe and I are read a topic, and then we have the option to either pass on it or run with it. And we each get two 90-second timed opportunities to run with one and 145-second opportunity to rebuttal. Those are the rules. We almost never abide by them, but I'm going to read them every time as if this time we actually will. Of course, Juju, you can chime in where you please because you won't be reading the run pass options because you refuse to do so on the show. Fat Nat. Racism. No. You're up first. Take it away. (laughs) All right. For the first time in 59 games, the Steelers have gone over 400 plus yards in a game. It's not a coincidence since they fired their offensive coordinator, Matt Canada. Should the Steelers fans look forward to higher scoring games? Joe, run or pass? I'm going to run with this one. And I've been a big Matt Canada fan because it's been very good for the Cleveland Browns and our (laughs) fan base uh, because their offense has been pitiful. And I actually think um, Matt Canada was holding back Kenny Pickett a little bit. I know that's probably a crazy opinion uh, in Pittsburgh being that They hated Matt Canada so much that at a Pittsburgh Penguins game, they were chanting fire Matt Canada a couple (laughs) months ago. Uh, So I'm not sure that they're going to set the world on fire. They've got some good talent, but it's really hard to completely overhaul uh, an offense in the middle of the season. So I think they're going to be a little bit better, but I don't really don't expect them to all of a sudden turn into like the early 2000s Indianapolis Colts overnight. It's been 43 years since the, 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 Steelers made a coaching change mid-season. They, like, never have done it. So that's, like, a really big deal that they fired this dude 
in the middle of the year. Juju, what are your thoughts there? I want to get your perspective. The Pittsburgh Steelers, to me, are as boring of a team as your Houston Texans used to be. Like, I don't check for the Steelers. I'm so happy for the success of the brother, uh, Coach Tomlin. Hey, man, he has a great track record, and the Steelers have a great uh, track record of not uh, firing and hiring coaches like the goofy Carolina Panthers. So I commend <laughs> them for sticking with Matt Canada this long. You feel me? Because I had checked out on their offense. I, they have so much talent around the board, and it's it, it was inexplicable for them to get that little production. So I think that this move will propel them into the future with high hopes. I like that. All right, Fat, what we got next? All right, so the problem with running backs being turned into freelancers in the NFL is that great running plays are so much more exciting than passing ones. A running back breaking several tackles for a 50-yard touchdown is arguably more hype than watching a quarterback throw for the same amount. Is running back becoming the coolest position in the NFL? What is this? I'm not even going to let you get to the the run pass. I feel like this is a pointed... uh, (laughs) A a pointed segment right at me. But go ahead, finish, finish the question, Nat. No, that was it. Is running back becoming the coolest position in football? Hawk, run or pass? Run. And I hate the fact that I even had to say run to get into this answer. That's bullshit. Running back is not the coolest position. It's boring. Okay? The only time running backs are exciting is when they're acting like wide receivers. You can't. You think Derrick Henry is exciting? He is the best version of an old school running back. He runs in a straight line like Forrest Gump and runs through people and through barricades <laughs> and doors. and what That is not exciting. That's exciting as hell. That ain't <laughs> exciting. A stiff arm every now and then. That's exciting, bro. Oh, you sound man. like a hater. Yeah, no. you sound like a hater, huh? No, Tyreek Hill is exciting, okay? I would even <laughs> say A.J. Brown, being able to, to move at that size and the agility and catching and that ball up, that concentration to catch it, like that's exciting. Christian McCaffrey is exciting because he acts like a yes. receiver. He runs no, routes. That's not why they he's exciting. You know, Isaiah what I'm Pacheco is exciting because he runs through brick walls and he with no. reckless abandon. Yeah, he looks like he had too much coffee. That's why Isaiah <laughs> Pacheco is exciting. He runs like nah, a like a toddler. Bijan Robinson. No, I mean, come on. You, they're only exciting because they can catch passes. You name me one running back who doesn't catch passes Man. all the time. And you and and tell me that they're exciting. Give me one. Austin Eckler dresses like he like he played football in the 1940s. And even he's <laughs> exciting. <laughs> wow. He just caught a stray. Why my boy just catch a stray like that? By the clothes. No wristbands, <laughs> pants below the knees, Joe. The perfect amount of white showing. It's like he's he's the default person that they put on the, the posters in the NFL locker rooms, Joe. <laughs> Throw this on the Tomahawk Instagram social media poll right here. What is the most exciting NFL player in NFL history? Which is mm. redundant. I guarantee more than 50% of the people <sighs> will say it's Barry Sanders. Oh, yeah, but they don't, ass. but they don't, they don't even make running backs like that no more. If you have a Barry Sanders today, what position does he play? He plays receiver. His name is no, Tyree. He's not Hill. tall enough. You're wrong. The question they is, play is slot running receiver. back the coolest position in football? The answer is yes, because of all the cool things that they do. Like Juju mentioned, they run people over, right? They run through the brick wall with reckless abandon. They can catch the football out of the backfield. They make linebackers miss in space. Receivers, they do such boring stuff. Yeah, they're fast. They make a cool catch, but it lasts like 
half of a second and then they fall out of bounds because they don't want to get hit or they're running across <laughs> the field and then it just is a track race which i love track and field i watch the olympics religiously but just seeing a foot race yeah that's cool but it doesn't even come close to the things that a great running back can do when they get the ball in their hands first of all they got to make a big fat guy miss or they're going to get killed they're going to get right. absolutely smushed like a bug <sighs> on your windshield then all of a sudden then they're in the second level now they're using some speed they're using agility. They're using the stanky leg to get guys to fall and break their own <laughs> hey. ankles. Then at the end, now they look like a receiver when they're running down the field and it becomes a foot race. That's why it's exciting. And it doesn't happen that much because it's so much harder. Everything in life that is much more rare and much more difficult for us as entertained fans, like those are the things that you want to see the most that you in your reward center in your brain appreciate the most because it's so difficult and it's so rare. I mean, I don't go back. I was in Mexico this week. Still am. We were on the <laughs> beach one night. Actually, it was Thanksgiving night and we were just, you know, taking some pictures and swimming in the ocean right at dark. And all of a sudden I'm on my boogie board and my daughter's next to me and she goes, dad, is that a sea turtle? And sure as shit, there's a baby sea turtle like this big. I picked it up and we followed uh, over to the beach right from where we were. And sure enough, there was all these sea turtles hatching, all these babies. There was hundreds of them. And we, we walked about? up, we saw where their, their <laughs> nest was and they were just pouring out of there. It was almost, it was kind of scary. It was like arachnophobia. <laughs> if you've ever seen that movie, where there's like spiders coming out of the drain, you know, it was like uh, all these little baby sea turtles coming out of the ocean. But knowing how rare that situation is to be in that spot at that exact moment when those sea turtles were hatching, you got this feeling of, wow, that is something that is so special because of how rare it is. And it's exactly what it's like when to you see a running, running back break that off a break run. I've never, Full circle I, on his ass. I didn't know oh, where the hell that was going. Log we off. are burnt. <laughs> burnt. Go home, Hawk. I don't know why you use the turtles to, to show you how good a <laughs> running back are. Magnifique. I don't know yes. if Joe is accidentally inhaling whatever they got in that smack house that he's staying in. <laughs> but I had no idea where the hell that that was going. <laughs> That was beautiful. Jeez. All right. Well, if they're so exciting, why do they get paid like the people flipping signs on the sidewalk outside the insurance company? All right, Nat, what do we got next? He didn't even let us answer the question. Right. The system, brother. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's the system. Bringing them, keeping the man down. Huh? <laughs> right. <sighs> All right. So Mac Jones got benched for the fourth time this season after throwing two picks in the first half against the Giants. After the game, he danced around a question that a reporter asked, asking if he if he thinks the coaching staff prepared him well enough ahead of the game. He's gone from a serviceable starter to pretty much unplayable. Is it time that we ask if the Patriots have failed Mac Jones? Joe, runner pass. Well, hold on, Joe. Before you jump in this one, we have 90 seconds. So I'm going to pass on this for you. And <laughs> we're going to just go to the next one, which actually we're not even going to read because – it says something about the Broncos defeating the Browns and what have you. So I'm just going to give you 90 seconds, Joe, to talk about the state of the Cleveland Browns right now. Because this is what the Please people come here for. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> now you're, you're down. Take it over yourself. Now you're down to 45 <laughs> seconds. <laughs> Thanks a lot. State of the Browns, uh, Joe. Go. State of the Browns, we're in uh, a little bit of turmoil right now. It's just because of all the injuries right now. Like Kevin Svansky did a great job at the beginning of the season overcoming the injuries, especially to Nick Chubb. We lost Jack Conklin. But – they're just continuing to add up, including on the defensive side of the football. We lost Rodney McLeod. Um, Newsom was out. Miles Garrett got banged up in this game. Like we had the number one defense in the NFL that was carrying our entire team. We could run the ball a little bit. And so that was a good formula. But now 
our defense is continuing to get gutted and it's hard to keep up with some of these teams in the AFC, especially that have these good offenses. So whether we get some of these guys back from injury, I think we'll determine how competitive we can be down the stretch. But I do want to mention really quickly, my, uh, Favorite interview from the last week was Jim Harbaugh when he got asked by the Michigan media, what is his level of respect for Ryan Day? And he couldn't even say, oh, we got a lot of respect for him, but we're just focusing <laughs> on the game. Like, he was just blown away. He couldn't say anything. And then he was, like, dumbfounded. And then he was just like, ah, oh, I'm not thinking about that. I'm just <laughs> focusing on the game. It reminds me of the Mac Jones uh, answering the question of if he felt like he was prepared because he's not being well prepared. They're not treating him the same way that they they should a young player. They're treating him like Tom Brady, who's had seven Super Bowls in 20 years under his belt, who can be coached super hard like that. Mac Jones is, is way too fragile at this point in his career. So they've failed each other right now. And I think they just need to blow that whole thing up. Yeah, they probably will. Run. Uh, Run. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, that Run. For this episode of the Tomahawk Show, shout out to Meadowlark Media and the DraftKings Network. As always, shout out to you, the Tomahawk, for tuning in. Make sure you check us out on the Levitard Show YouTube page or on the DraftKings Network Wednesdays at 4 p.m. or wherever you listen to shows. Download, subscribe, rate five stars so you never miss an episode. Till next time, my friend Joe, take us out. Yo, hawk yourself and send money to release me <laughs> from this Mexican prison. 